Hello and welcome to the Vote Her podcast, because when you vote, great things can happen. I'm Mara Davis, talent booker, podcaster, broadcaster, and pretty excited to live in the most interesting state for politics. Man, isn't that right? And I'm Jen Jordan, and I'm... I am living here too, man, and it is crazy every single day. Well, Senator Jordan, let's come out of the gate with the biggest Georgia political story pretty much in the country. Stacey Abrams has announced she's running for governor. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that was incredibly exciting news. Did it take you by surprise? Yes. I mean, what's fascinating is that they were able to keep that so locked up. I mean, they had zero leaks. No one had a clue it was coming. And man, when it hit, it hit big. It was pretty great timing, I think, because it was after the mayor's race and all the municipal races and then on the heels of the Supreme Court. But that was crazy that it was like, oh, my God, the world's ending the Supreme Court. And then Stacey's running for governor. Right. I I think the only criticism I have is that, you know, it came on the heels of Andre Dickens winning the mayor's race in Atlanta. Maybe just give him a day, right? Just a day. That's it. You know what that reminds me of? When Ossoff and Warnock won, and then it was the insurrection. Right. It's like, can we just give folks just a day? <laughs> I, I don't want to compare Stacey right, to that. Right. That <laughs> that's really not a good comparison. But, but, you, but, know, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it, it just kind of... So what do you think about this? I mean, so she rolled out her campaign ad, and we'll play some of that. I've worked a lot of jobs in my life. How are you? I'm good. Absolutely. And for the past four years, Thank you for our daily bread. When the hardest times hit us all, Amen. I've worked to do my part to help families make it through. There you go. Paying off medical debt for 68,000 Georgians. Expanding access to vaccines. Bringing supplies to overwhelmed food banks. Lending a hand across our state, especially in rural Georgia. We help finance small businesses trying to stay afloat. And I spoke up for families being left behind. While my jobs have changed, what I know to be true has not. Our values are still strong. No matter where we come from in Georgia or how long we've been here, we believe in this place and our people. Folks who deserve to be seen and heard and have a voice. Because in the end, we are one Georgia. Regardless of the pandemic or the storms, the obstacles in our way or the forces determined to divide us. My job has been to put my head down and keep working toward one Georgia. For that farmer in Peach County, the teacher in Sparta, the mechanic in College Park, for our next generation who should have more than we can imagine. Because opportunity and success in Georgia shouldn't be determined by your zip code, background, or access to power. But if our Georgia is going to move to its next and greatest chapter, we're going to need leadership. I think you'd make a really good governor. All you gotta do is stay tough and stay brave. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Leadership that knows how to do the job. Leadership that doesn't take credit without also taking responsibility. Leadership that understands the true pain folks are feeling 
and has real plans. That's the job of governor, to fight for one Georgia, our Georgia. And now it's time to get the job done. Yeah, I mean, I think you see very clearly what she's trying to do, which is what we need, which is someone who wants to bring us together and not divide us. I mean, this one Georgia thing, I think, is, is look, that's that's what everybody's, there's, everybody's soul is kind of craving that. I think everyone's just so sick of kind of the division and the ugliness and the nastiness. And I thought that this was just a really, really great way to kind of roll out a campaign. And now it's out there and people have been wondering, like, what has she been doing? Because I think there was a lot of like lip service is, is, is kind of like, oh, she's not running. And, and you know, I think a lot of Republicans were putting it out there um, that Democrats were nervous, but Democrats were a little bit nervous. I mean, I, I was nervous. Look, I was I was nervous, too, because, I mean, every everything has been kind of contingent on her running in terms of how everybody was setting stuff up. But look, anybody who kind of knew her would always say to me, no, you, you just y'all y'all just need to sit back. It's going to be OK. She's she's not going to abandon the state. And she didn't. But man, it was a good day. Now, more than ever, uh, as far as for reproductive rights, as we talk about that, it is really more important to have governors uh, that stand for reproductive rights because so much is hanging in the balance right now. Do you think that's that's a that's going to move a lot more people to the polls in 2022 for her? I think it might. I think the timing is interesting because the U.S. Supreme Court will um, issue an opinion in the Dobbs case in June of next year of 22, and that's going straight into to election season for the general. So I know that that Republicans seem to think that it that it helps them, too, because they have folks that are, you know, just that are paying attention just as much. But look, I, I think after what we saw, what happened with HB 481 and how the women in the state of Georgia reacted to that, I think if the Supreme Court overturns Roe v. Wade, that that there's going to be that's going to be a significant motivator for women in this state to get out and vote for Democrats. It doesn't look like it's good. I mean, from everything that Whoa. happened, it looks terrible for people who appreciate bodily autonomy and reproductive rights. It looks pretty bad. Well, I think the problem is, is that the foundation of Roe is built on privacy and um, in this whole idea of, of, of us having autonomy over our bodies and, and enjoying this right of privacy under the Constitution, right, which extends to a bunch of different constitutional rights, including, I mean, the whole beginning of this was in Griswold versus Connecticut, um, which is where you had a law that required you to get permission from your husband before you could even get contraception. And so it all leads back to that. So we're not just talking about, you know, access uh, to abortion services or anything. We're talking about like all of it, right? When it comes to just having autonomy and control over our bodies. And that's pretty scary. But even apart from that, Oberfell in terms of gay marriage, I mean, you know, maybe even even overturning loving, I mean, in terms of the underlying reasoning for it. It's really very 
scary. I mean, I think so many people were saying, oh, women, you're being hysterical. Roe is never going to be overturned when we were all crying when Trump was elected. Um, It wasn't so much him. I mean, it was him at the time, but it was the this idea of where we are right now. Yeah, well, and I mean, Trump kind of was this symbol of of women not being valued or considered and 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 it has led exactly where a lot of us thought it would lead. All right, so let's let's get back to Stacy for a minute because the governor's race is going to be national news, national attention, all eyes are going to be on it. Stacy was already on MSNBC with Rachel Maddow because one angle that the Republicans are going to take is that oh, well, she's just as bad as as Trump because she didn't concede and Rachel Maddow asked her all about it. Um, disturbing dynamic in that race, which was that uh, your Republican opponent, who went on to win the race, uh, was Secretary of State at the time and was engaged in really aggressive, what appeared to be voter suppression tactics, including throwing huge numbers of Georgians off the voting rolls in a way that seemed to benefit his own candidacy, um, in which he was on the ballot. When you so narrowly lost, you famously um, were contentious about the loss, saying that you didn't necessarily think it had been a fair fight. Stepping back now a few years out of that um, and seeing what's happened both in Georgia and around the country around the issues of fairness in elections, um, how do you feel about that now, looking back at it? And how do you want people to understand how that dynamic affected the race the first time? In 2018, I'd spent more than a year traveling the state, but I'd also spent 10 years, 11 years in the state legislature. And I'd been working on voting rights since I was 17. And I'd watched, in fact, I'd battled with the then Secretary of State over his egregious and aggressive voter suppression activities. And on the night, on the 16th of November, when I acknowledged that I would not become the governor, that he had won the election, I did not challenge the outcome of the election, unlike some recent folks did. What I said was that the system was not fair. And leaders challenge systems. Leaders say, we can do better. And that's what I declared. I could not, in good conscience, say that I'm, in order to protect my political future, I'm going to be silent about the political present, which is that we had a system under a leader that sought to keep people from casting their ballots, that threw those ballots out, that said that voter suppression was a viable tactic for winning elections. I am so proud of the work that I've been able to do in the last three years, but even more, I'm proud of the work that Georgians have done to demonstrate their capacity to have their voices heard, to participate in elections, to change their stars, to change their futures. And I could not be prouder that I was part of that by saying on November 16th, 2018, that my time would be committed to ensuring the protection of our system, defending our democracy and ensuring access to the right to vote. Yeah, what's fascinating to me is that what she did is she After 18, she pointed out very specific issues with respect to the law, right, and then took those issues to court and won on many of them. And in fact, because of those lawsuits, right, there were significant changes to the law at that point in time that actually made it easier for people to vote. So it's not an apples to apples comparison in terms of that. Um, and, and I think it's really unfair to try to say what well, well, she's just like Trump. 
Right. So I think it's fair to start asking these questions as far as like, what are they going to use as opposition research? And you know, that one's going to come up. The other one that's going to come up is that she's been out doing stuff in the past four years and what has she been doing and you know well her ambition yes yes you know that she doesn't care about georgia she just cares about herself or what and that's just silly i mean it's just silly the whole idea i mean if you look at what she has done since 18 i mean she's created these the voting rights organizations that have been on the front lines and clearly needed to be, right? She's been litigating issues in the court successfully. She started this organization to make sure that in terms of the census that we counted everybody in this state because the governor wasn't on top of it. I mean, and I don't even know how many books the woman has written. So it it's it's so disingenuous to be like, oh, so what's she been doing? I'm like, girlfriend's been doing a lot. Yeah. I mean, she's been very, very visible and she's kind We all know what she's been doing because she's been out there. And she's a poster child for voting rights and trying to get this Voting Rights Act passed and all these different things that she's been up to. But even apart from that, I mean, she just paid off millions of dollars of medical debt for Georgians. I mean, it is just, it's just, like I said, it just rings hollow, but you can see what the attack is. And, and underlying all of it, though, is really an attack on women, um, and specifically women of color, that you can't be ambitious, right? Because well, no, is it, well, well, nobody has been asking what David Perdue's been doing. Well, he's, well, we know he's been on Sea Island, right? <laughs> I think he's been doing a little golfing. He's been drinking at Arnold Palmer. Right, every day. Out, tweeting out uh, laughing emojis. Let's talk about him for a minute because that's, now here we're going to get into the governor's race. And uh, this is certainly a, a very, you know, everybody's kind of on the edge of their seat. Like David Perdue, is he or isn't he? Because it doesn't seem like Trump, but it's it, like, David Perdue or David Perdon? Oh, right. Very good. <laughs> very, very good. It's, I mean, Trump's not going to endorse Kemp. I mean, he's made that very clear. No, the, the, the craziest thing that came out of it as soon as Stacey Abrams announces, Trump puts out a statement. And he's basically like, well, now Stacey Abrams is running and, you know, Kemp can't beat her. And, you know, and he's a loser. And I mean, it is just... It sometimes it feels like we're in some kind of weird alternate dimension. Well, it's bonkers. It's bonkers watching the clips of of him at Mar-a-Lago at the Herschel Walker fundraiser, and he's talking about rhinos and explaining, you know, Republican in name only, and he's trashing Governor Kemp, and and it's just all kinds of awkward. So if they primary each other like is is Purdue a stronger candidate you think I I think Purdue will beat Kemp in a primary right but against Stacey I mean is he stronger is this like or is it all the same it's all the same I mean look they're I mean they're all the same to me in terms of Stacey I mean they're gonna they're gonna do the same thing they're gonna have the same playbook with respect to her because there's only one playbook that they have so one isn't stronger than the other but I will say that if I do think that if David Perdue runs against uh, Brian Kemp, that he beats him in a primary. Okay, well, we have that on record now. Uh, Well, and also, I mean, Hannity went not only did Trump release that statement that, that Hannity went off. 
Now, Kemp has been very ineffective as a governor, and frankly, for the sake of the state of Georgia, I think he should probably bow out of the race. I think the candidate to watch, and I hope he gets in, would be former Senator David Perdue. He would be a much better candidate versus Stacey Abrams. If Kemp does stay in, well, that would also hurt uh, Herschel Walker in his Senate race against Raphael Warnock. Basically saying that if Kemp is, stays on the ticket, that he's going to ruin Herschel Walker's chances to be a U.S. senator. It is just, like I said, it is just nutty. Buddy. That's That's got to be, I mean, that's got, man, that's got to feel really crappy. <laughs> but like, it's true because Hannity is such a mouthpiece of that. And I mean, do you think that that will drive down turnout for Kemp? I don't think so. I think it's very, very early. I think people will get out and I think they, you know, they may just forget all about that because they don't like Stacey. I don't know. Well, I think it, I think what we're, we need to focus on right now is is this influencing David Perdue's decision? To right. Get in? Like he sees kind of Hannity and Trump. And I mean, if I were him, I would see a real opportunity to jump into the race. But he's not going to get he's not going to put himself. Look, he didn't even show up to debate John Ossoff. So is he going to be able to show up? And it's very easy to go to these friendly news outlets. But as he learned from losing the Senate race, is that that is n not going to help you. Stacey Abrams is like a PR giant. She can get booked on everything from Colbert to every Sunday show. She is a talent booker's dream. She's, she could host Saturday Night Live right now. So whoever's running against her is going to have to have that kind of strategy to keep up with that. Well, and I think probably what if if I'm in B David Perdue's camp or, or kind of how I'm thinking about it is really with somebody like Stacy, right, bigger than life in terms of, mm -hmm. um, you know, how, I mean, goodness gracious, in terms of, like you said, she could be on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. She's almost like this international superstar to be able to really defeat a Stacey Abrams, the only way you can do it is if you have the support of Donald Trump, who is also bigger than life for different reasons. But but that's my guess that that is part of the thinking that's going on, that the only way to take Stacey out would be to have Trump on your side. And Trump absolutely isn't going to do one little teeny thing to help Brian Kemp. Which is really interesting because Brian Kemp did an overturn election for him. I mean, it's just because Brian Kemp followed the law. Followed the law. I mean, it's pretty unbelievable. Okay, so let's let's uh, forward a little bit. Now you've got Herschel Walker against <laughs> the rest of them, and here Herschel Walker's another one. He's not going on any media outlets except the safe ones. I mean, no, they know. I mean, his team knows they have to control him. So that's, you know, and you could argue, the other side could argue like, look, yeah, Stacey Abrams could get on Saturday Night Live, but does it matter? I mean, the rural people in Georgia or the city people in Georgia, the people in Georgia need to vote. So it doesn't matter if you're getting national attention. But how is how is that going to translate for, for someone like Herschel Walker, who's not getting on anything, really? Well, you got to remember, Herschel Walker has, I mean, he, he just already because, has name ID just because right. of the Georgia Bulldogs thing. but. He's not going to be able to continue just to be in a bubble, right? 
I mean, he can make it through the primary that way and win the primary, but there is no way that you can do that when you're facing a sitting U.S. senator, especially somebody like, you know, Reverend Warnock. I mean, he's going to have to get out there and he's going to have to show people what he thinks, what he believes. And he's going to have to come into the city of Atlanta, a very, very dense area. I mean, that's going to be very, very important to him. Uh, to to get to places like Savannah and Columbus and uh, Atlanta, which, um, you know, uh, I mean, I'm sure he's going to have a following because like you say, he is who he is. And this coming after the mayors and the municipal election, there have been a lot of big successes for progressive candidates all over the state uh, in Brunswick and Warner Robins. Um, I think Dickens... I mean, did that surprise you that Andre Dickens won? It didn't. I'll say that I was surprised at by how much he won by. And kind of in talking to people after the fact, what I've heard from a lot of voters is that there were lots of folks who voted for Felicia in the first election, specifically with the aim to stop Kasim. But then when the runoff, they had the choice between Felicia and Andre, you know, they they went with Andre. We had a lot of races where more progressive candidates won in these municipal elections. What does that mean for, for 2022? So I think a lot of that was driven by geographic changes in the state to some extent. Yeah, I think I think that's that's kind of a reflection of what we saw actually from the census in terms of um, geography and who's living in these areas. You know, but we'll see. We'll see kind of how it plays out. I will tell you that you know, the city level, municipal level, um, things tend to really be about services and and not about ideology or partisanship, right? Like, it doesn't matter if you're a Republican or a Democrat or an independent, you know, you want your trash picked up. Yeah. I mean, it's just real simple stuff like that, that you just got to make the trains run on time. Um, I will say that I think that it is a real opportunity for Democrats in terms of folks that may have picked up you know, where we picked up seats to show folks how we govern. I'm curious your thoughts about the mayor of Brunswick, who won by huge numbers, Cosby Johnson, 36 years old, who beat the incumbent. Um, Do you think the Ahmaud Aubrey case had a lot to do with that? Maybe. I mean, um, you know, I think Cosby is uh, pretty sophisticated, too. And... um, you know, is very well connected. And I think he probably went into running for that race and approached it probably a little bit differently than the incumbent had. Worked hard, um, was very professional, and, um, you know, clearly did something right there. That's a big deal to have a black mayor of Brunswick now. Yeah, but it's, I mean... It shouldn't surprise folks, right? Absolutely not. Right. Do you think it's more surprising that the mayor of Warner Robins, LaRonda Patrick, she won too. She's a progressive candidate. That's very exciting. Right. But that's also part of the demographic changes, part of what we know about that area in terms of the political changes too. And to the extent Warner Robins still hasn't necessarily flipped, you know, because there's still Republicans representing them in the House and the Senate a lot of that has to do with gerrymandering. So, you know, these areas are kind of sleepers because they're represented by Republicans at the state level. So everybody just assumes that then they are 
Republican. Um, but what folks don't understand is that it it really is because of gerrymandering. Well, I'm glad you bring that up. So with gerrymandering, how is that going to play into the 2022 race? I mean, that's, a, you know, what what is if if you're Abrams, what what are you how are you going against or towards that? Well, you got to remember, and this is what I try to tell folks is, you know, yeah, these maps are gerrymandered. They're going to make sure that Republicans stay in control in the House and the Senate, right? But that's why the statewides are even more important because you can't gerrymander a state, right? It's all the voters all the time and they all have to get out. And so, you know, statewide, it really gives us an opportunity, you know, to get out there and vote um, and show kind of the real breakdown of this state. It's going to be so interesting, Jen. I mean, I, I mean, are you ready? I mean, because this is going to be a lot of attention on you as well. I mean, I mean, Georgia is going to be like front and center. I think this is probably the hottest governor race there's going to be. Well, you've got the hottest governor race and then you've got the hottest U.S. Senate race in totally. terms of the number one save right for the Democrats. <laughs> yes. I mean, so you got all that happening and, you know, and Look, we've got a lot of women running. I mean, there is, I mean, we have a real opportunity to have women run and win statewide offices up and down the ballot. And that's just not anything we've we've had before. And um, and that's incredibly, incredibly exciting. Georgia's Angels, B-Win, Jen Jordan, Stacey Abrams. Um, I got an interesting question here. This is actually from my friend, uh, Steve Bransford, Augustus Ankle on Twitter, talking about Brian Kemp and Chris Carr. When they look back on their time as governor and attorney general, do you think they'll consider their fight against vaccine mandates as one of their key accomplishments? Will they be ashamed and never admit it? And I ask that because it seems to be coming up a lot. Like, I believe this was in St. Louis, Missouri, where they did a study of mask wearing and it proved that it worked and then they didn't want it published out there because right, because it wasn't consistent with the with the ideology. That but but are these are these politicians, are they going to 10 years later when the documentary comes out about covid and there is a belly aching about all these fighting against mandates? Will will regret it or, or say, you know what, it was worth it. I, I don't think they're going to regret it. I mean, because if you're if you're a person with walking around sense right now in light of what we're going through in the state. You know, we have another variant that has landed in the United States. I mean, if I were governor of, of this state, I would be doing every single thing I could uh, to educate people and encourage them in any way I possibly could to get the vaccine as opposed to wasting time, effort, energy, and also it being the messaging that's coming out of the governor's office, you know, going against vaccine mandates. Because when you do that, then what comes across as this message is that you aren't necessarily totally, you know, on board with vaccines. Right. So, and that's and, you know, and that's what's going on where they were going to shut down the government over Biden's vaccine mandates. The vaccine mandates are working. You're seeing all over the world. I just saw what they did in Germany where I mean, basically, if you can't do anything if you don't have it. Yeah. Which is I mean, it's just but it's become so political. Right. It's like 
and my body, my choice, all that messaging, which is fascinating. I'm absolutely, it it enrages me to no end. It's funny, uh, Jen, I was just um, over by the CDC. I had lunch at the General Muir uh, at Emory, shout out to them. And there's a crazy bonkers guy protesting with all these signs. Vaccines are genocide. I mean, you know, when you go to a concert and there's always like one loony bin dude, you know, with the bullhorn and and which is hard. (laughs) But what's crazy is, is that the one loony bin guy with the bullhorn seems to be making the policy for the state of Georgia. It's pretty unbelievable. That's, That's what's just like this is bonkers. I hate to see what is happening with these women in Congress who are fighting between Nancy Mace, Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Bobart. I always want to call Joy Behar called her Lauren Bubblehead. <laughs> Ilhan Omar. I mean, it's despicable. It's sick. Well, it, you know, I think with Marjorie Taylor Greene and um, Bobart in particular, I think they are creatures, right, that have come out of this bizarre political world that has become the Republican Party. And they, I mean, they're kind of the mainstream. I mean, when you have the 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 minority leader of, of the Republicans in Congress basically, you know, make a nice nice with Marjorie Taylor Greene so she won't send a mean tweet out about him. I mean, we, but then he's trying to get them all because, you know, this Nancy Mace is basically trying to, you know, she's no angel. I mean, she's not like America's sweetheart either. Well, she compared to, Uh, but she was basically trying to say like, quit it. Like this is, this is like Islamophobic and it's terrible. You may not like her or her policies, but, uh, you know, this is, this is just, you know, because Republicans can be in cruise control right now in a weird way, you know, because they're poised to to pick up some gains. Well, and that's and I think that's kind of what you, what you're shining a light on, which is right now they should be on cruise control in a midterm after, you know, Democrats take the White House. They should be able to take control of Congress. Right. I mean, that's just the way it is. But it's almost like they can't get out of their way right now because of their members like. Um, Green and like Bobart, who are just really doing some stuff that, that is just not. It's just nasty. It's, it's just it's, ugly. It's a bad look for women. A friend of mine, a shout out to Dale, said, you know, just because they're women doesn't mean they can't be rotten, horrible people. You know, it's like you want to elect women, but these women are just, I mean, it's truly, truly terrible. Um, I'd like to add the Attorney General of Mississippi to that list. She is not a nice lady. Not to keep going back to the um, Supreme Court abortion stuff, but um, the assumption of Justice Barrett talking about adoption, that really got to me how like, oh, isn't adoption just so easy? It's it's right, just, or, the, or the safe haven laws or whatever yeah. where you can drop kids off, you know, if you don't want them. But as a lawyer and also... You know, I've seen in this state, people have tried to do that uh-huh. and have been criminally prosecuted. And I mean, it, yeah, it it's so, I don't know. 
it just shows that there is a, a complete lack of understanding or empathy. Disconnect. Yeah. In it, terms it, of, of people's lives and women's lives and, you know. As in that is an easy choice. And in, in, in uh, anyway, a couple of other things. The we I hit on this a few minutes ago, but the Ahmaud Arbery case. I mean, wow, what a I mean, thank God that that ended the way it did. Yeah. And, and a huge um, shout out to, to District Attorney Flynn Brody. Um, and his folks, um, they did a great job it with was... the eyes of the world watching. All right, Jen, how's the campaign going? It's good. I mean, look, we are hitting all of our marks. The only issue is we got to gotta hit more before we go into legislative session all in right. January. Jen4ga.com. I mean, Jen's not telling you to give her money, but I'm telling you to give her money. And then uh, my Costco dinner was a bust. If you were listening oh, last man. week. I was actually really, I saw your tweet, you know, during Thanksgiving. And I was like, because <gasps> I knew we had talked about like it was going to be such a good thing. It didn't show up. My kid got the flu. So friends, get your damn flu shots. I know most of our listeners are, are smart enough to get their vaccine, um, I would hope. But go, get boosted. Get, get the boost. get the booster. Get that flu shot. Um, but you listen. We went out. But did you you had a nice Thanksgiving. Had a great Thanksgiving. And look, it it, it just feels so good to be with family, um, and to be able to celebrate this year. But, you know, let's just take care of each other. We must take care of each other and we must be paying attention to all of this news and what's going on. And 2022 is going to be crazy. Girl, I mean, (laughs) sis. Right. We thought 2020 was something. but man, I mean, you know, Senator Jay. I mean, it's going to be something. I mean, we're going to be looking to you because lawyers are hot. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, yeah, women need to back up women. That's why we need a woman as an attorney general and secretary of state and governor. But you'll be hearing more about that. Hey, thanks, Christina Loringer, for always being such a great producer on this podcast. And you're still in it for 2022. This may or may not be our last show. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, maybe we'll try to do a holiday, but we'll see. I think we maybe we try to be a little bit more creative in 2022. Uh, uh, I think so. I think so. All right. We'll talk to you next time. 